Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Pleasant, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm ticking along. How are you doing, Dominic? I am doing just fine. I'm sitting right next to you, so how can I not be good? But it's the energy that I emit, I guess, that yeah, I'm feeling that. There's something I'm feeling. I'm something. not sure what it is, but um, who, who is our guest today? Well, his name is Darren Jacklin, and I'm going to have to read his titles. He's from <laughs> Vancouver, but he's got a long list of, uh, of titles. He's a... He's a He's a going concern. So business and real estate investor, philanthropist, uh, board of directors at EXP World Holdings, which has something to do with a huge real estate company. Mr. Jacqueline is a man of many talents, yes. and uh, I am sure we're in for a heck of a conversation with him. So right. we will take a brief pause here. We'll uh, bring Darren in. And we will we'll unleash Darren. Yes, we'll open the floodgates, so stay tuned. Let's do it. All right, we have Darren Jacklin from Vancouver, and we are also from Vancouver, but welcome to the podcast today. I'm grateful to be here and uh, be in service. Thanks for allowing me to have the opportunity to be here. That's awesome. So we just want to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit of your story and the business and philanthropy adventures that you're on at this stage yeah, sure. of your life. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give a little sneak peek of uh, my, okay, my backstory to my comeback story, to my success story. I'll give you kind of three versions, backstory, comeback story, success story. Uh, backstory, grew up in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Canada, Speedy Creek, right on the Trans-Canada Highway. A city population of less than 20,000 people in population. Uh, failed grade one of public high school, was misdiagnosed with a learning disability and a reading disability. And it was determined at that time by the educational system that I was probably retarded and needed special education. So I then was put in, uh, in, in public school, elementary school from grade one, all the way through to grade 12 to special education. So I never went to regular public school like the rest of the normal kids did. I was specialized in special education. So I had to learn uh, differently because I felt totally unsafe. I felt unseen, I felt invisible. So when I was seven years of age, I created my first little company in Swift Current, Saskatchewan called Rent-A-Kid. I would go out and cut grass. I would shovel sidewalks on different newspapers. And I still use some of the mindset and skills when I was a kid because what I was doing was solving a problem or serving a need in my community. And that's one of the key things that most people don't realize is that we don't have money problems in life. We only have thinking problems. There's no lack of money in the world. There's an overflowing abundance of financial prosperity. It's just going solving a problem or serving a need. And so by the time I was nine years of age, I was hiring my best friends in my neighborhood who I'm still 40 plus years later, still great friends with those people that I grew up with. Can you imagine 40 plus years later, social media, we connect uh, you know, a few times a year and, and reconnect and, and we follow each other on social media. And then throughout junior high and high school, I failed my way through school, eventually did graduate from grade 12 of public school. But in grade 11, I was taken out of class. Uh, and I was asked by a guidance counselor, a school teacher, what do you plan to do if, if you graduate from high school? It was a big if. And I said, I want to travel around the world. I want to build a portfolio of companies. I want to achieve financial independence. And then I want to give it all away for global philanthropy. And really similar to like the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill that was written back in 1937. You know, Andrew Carnegie, who mentored Napoleon Hill, the first half of his life, he accumulated a financial fortune. The second half of his life, he gave it all away. He paid it forward and passed it on. And so um, 
uh, the teacher and the guidance counselor looked at each other and, and they like said, Darren, listen, let's just ground yourself and be realistic here. You know, very linear thinking, right? Very academic, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a college university degree and settle down and get a family and a mortgage and then live happily ever after living paycheck to paycheck. And so to me, you know, that really affected my self-worth because I didn't have much self-confidence anyways. And so I did pass grade 12, just barely, left high school in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, then moved out west to the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia, Canada, to a place called Vernon, British Columbia, population of less than 60,000 people. I did multiple suicide attempts to end my life because I had no direction. I had no focus. I had no purpose. I felt I was never good enough. I felt I was stupid. I felt like I was a fake. I felt like I was a fraud. I had all this negative self-talk and internal dialogue. And on my final attempt at driving my car at 140 kilometers an hour, 85 miles an hour towards a telephone pole, I stopped the car. I got scared and I thought I got to turn myself in. So I drove to this nonprofit organization in Vernon, British Columbia, which was a 24-hour telephone crisis line center. And I rang the doorbell. A lady came out and she said, can I help you? I said, I'm trying to commit suicide. I need some professional help. They brought me in. They offered me some professional counseling. Uh, it was determined there at this organization that I should meet Dale Carnegie. So I, I didn't know who Dale Carnegie was. This is back in the early 1990s. So I went to the Prestige Inn Hotel in Vernon, British Columbia, Canada, to meet this guy named Dale Carnegie. Turned out the guy had passed away many years ago, but left a legacy program called the Dale Carnegie Training Program. He also wrote a best-selling book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is an incredible classic book to read. And it's a must-read book for people's libraries. And so I ended up going into this open seminar form, which was very awkward, very weird, very uncomfortable for me, and very confronting. I was very guarded, you know, like this in the back room, thinking, okay, what am I doing here? And, but I saw something for myself. I saw an opening. I saw an opportunity zone. And I saw people connecting and climbing. I said, I want that. I want that. I don't know how I'm going to get it, but I want some of that what these people got in this room because they got something that's going on that I don't have. And I want that. So I actually end up financing because I thought I was broke, had no money. And I ended up financing a payment plan to take the Dale Carnegie training program. And I met some key people in that program who then introduced me to Toastmasters International. And I ended up joining Toastmasters for 11 years and competitively public speaking. And then met a lady by the Sue Urquhart back in the early 1990s who believed in me more than I believed in myself. And she planted some seeds in my mind and she created possibility for me. And she said that this, I believe that Darren Jackson could travel around the world and train, develop lots of people. Well, because she lit a spark in me, just like a forest fire. She lit a spark. She believed more in me than I believed in myself. I actually went and got a job uh, as a telemarketer with McLean's Magazine. And we used to have to dial for dollars as telemarketers to make 400 cold calls a day from 5 to 9 p.m. selling magazine subscriptions over the phone across Canada. And um, so after seven months of doing that, as the number one, I became the number one telemarketer in Canada. My supervisor came to one day and said, Darren, you can't go any further in this organization. You've reached the pinnacle. You need to branch up on your own. So I was scared. I was attached to that paycheck. I need that paycheck every two weeks to pay my bills. And he says, you need to go off on your own. So with no money, I went to a phone mart. I grabbed a whole bunch of telephone books and I started smiling and dialing to build a corporate training business back in the 1995. And so between 1995 and the year 2000, I made over 100,000 cold calls. Sometimes I was three, four, five months behind on paying my bills and my phone bills on the verge of getting cut off and disconnected, getting evicted because uh, I was in rough shape financially. And that launched me 
from 1995 to 2015 to travel in the world multiple times in 50 countries on four continents. And I got paid from 157 Fortune 500 companies, knocking on their doors, cold calling, following up and following up. Some companies took 10 years of rejection before they finally said yes. And I had one Fortune 500 company after 17 years of rejection and follow up every quarter, four to five times a calendar year with the human resource department. After 17 years, they finally wrote me a check and signed me an agreement to come in and do corporate training. So, you know, it's it, the fortunes in the follow-up as I've learned from personal experience, but I didn't have the skills when I got started. So I played a game with myself. I like to track and metric numbers because numbers don't lie, people do. And I sucked in school and math, but I can watch a sports board. They you know, go to a professional sporting event and I like to watch the score of the winning team. So just like anybody, if you, if you like sports and you can see a sports scoreboard, you can relate to math. And so what I did was I... I realized, okay, in my life, I, I, I want to win. I want to do something. I want to be something great in my life. And so um, what happened was I ended up um, with those 100,000 phone calls and trained all those corporations, organizations, and trained over a million people over a course of 25 years. And then in 2011, I was flying on a plane one day and I said, you know, I want to get onto paid boards of directors, paid advisory boards. And I went to 73 different people. And all 73 people laughed at me and said, come on, let's, let's, let's be realistic. It's like being in grade 11, being taken out of class one day by a guidance counselor, a school teacher. They said, Darren, you don't have an MBA. You don't have a PhD. You didn't grow up in a wealthy or privileged family. It's never going to happen. You're not going to get on a paid advisory board, a paid board of directors. And so in 2013, I received a phone call from a high net worth family here in Canada. They said, we're in discovery and due diligence process of investing into a startup residential real estate company. We believe in the entrepreneur, the visionary, not too sure about the business model yet, but we'll uncover that discovery and due diligence. So I flew, so the family said, would you fly back at your own expense from Vancouver to Kelowna, British Columbia, at your own expense? Now, that's where most people would take themselves out of the game of an opportunity zone when they're told that they have to drive or commute at their own expense. I just wanted to get around this high net worth family. They had things going on that I didn't. And I want to be in proximity because proximity is power. And so I flew back at my own expense, got around this family, was part of the discovery and due diligence process. And then I was offered an equity position to be as an independent director of a, of a board of directors of a, of a real estate company. Well, that little company had 100 plus people at the time back in 2013. Now let's fast forward to 2021. That little company that I joined, which I'm still a part of today, has six, over 60,000 people in almost 20 countries around the world on five continents. It's publicly traded on NASDAQ and it's a multi-billion dollar company and it's the fastest growing residential real estate company on planet earth. Wow. So, so I serve on that board of directors of that company, which is an incredible organization. I'm so proud of everybody as the global team to grow and scale this company. And you know we're, we're doing agent attraction. We're attracting some top producing agents and teams around the world in residential commercial real estate. We have no physical bricks and mortar. And then I also serve on a board of directors of a company out of New York, has about $350 million in assets under management at the time of this recording. And it's in the medical office space building. So we have medical office space buildings across the United States of America and some of the major centers. And then I uh, got hit on it to be on a board of directors of a cybersecurity company out of Chicago. It's a multi-million dollar company, been around for 10 years. We just brought on to our board of directors, one of the original sharks from the TV show called Shark Tank. And we're actually in process right now of taking the company public. And we're also in process right now the next two years as part of our master plan to do 25 acquisition targets. 
And so I do that. That's my hat I wear with the board of directors hats. Plus, I get approached all the time by headhunters recruiters to be on different boards and advisory boards. So I wear those three hats. And then I have uh, a large real estate portfolio across North America that I'm mainly a passive investor in. And then we have our own private family foundation for Tatiana and I. We created uh, my partner in life and love of my life. Tatiana was a high school teacher for 35 years, three academic degrees, speaks French and English. And we just looked at our lives and thought, what can we dedicate our life to as a planetary assignment? I said, why don't we play a really big game? Because one of the things that most people don't realize in life is that most of your goals do not require your actions. And I talk about that in my book I'm just releasing called Most of Your Goals Do Not Require Your Actions. See, most people, when they're dreaming big or thinking big, they think they have to do all the active work, but yet they can actually be passive in it. You can create teams and teamwork either in person or virtually with technology today in Philippines or India or other countries or automate things or systemize things where you don't have to do actually do all the work, but you can fulfill and, and get to the finish line of your goals and dreams. And so we've committed $100 million U.S. million over the next decade towards global philanthropy. And we've started with our Link Leadership Academies now over in Africa. We're actually building schools in uh, the slums of uh, impoverished areas in Africa. Our first school right now is in Liberia, West Africa. We're also looking into Uganda, East Africa, and Kenyan, East Africa, and other places on that continent as well. So, um, I, And I'm also blessed in my life that I have a team of women around me that run all the day-to-day -day operations. I focus on being the visionary. And I've got a team of women and some smart men that are around me that run all the day-to-day -day operations of the Darren Jackson Group of Companies and then Link Foundation, then our investment portfolio. And then they schedule and organize things for me so I can be in service and love over people. And because I learned years ago that the secret to living is giving. And anything you want in your life is going to come from strangers. Because one thing I learned when I was a kid knocking on doors in Swift Current Saskatchewan for my rent -a kid business is as human beings, all we are is a network of conversations. And all you got to do is just be in service to people and have conversations and make requests and make promises and follow through on those with integrity. And you can live an amazing life over a period of time. Darren, what an amazing answer uh, to, to my question. And I have to give myself a little credit because I obviously sure. asked the best possible question that I could have. <laughs> you got me on a roll. <laughs> to, the, to the point where I think that we only just need to ask that one question and we can just end it right yeah. here. I, I was, I was <laughs> to say there, like, you need your own TV show. Like, ev yeah. every word there, the, the, the narrative was just incredibly captivating. And you, know, you and I have been connected on, on LinkedIn for quite some time. And yeah. I always find your, your, your content incredibly inspiring and you have such amazing positive energy to you and you know i uh, i know you and i have talked about this before but it, it's it's in short supply you know there's still even if you just look on in social media there's still so much negative energy right and people is, like yeah. you bring such positive energy uh to to the world and, and that's so important and one thing that i wanted to to, to ask you was just um uh, about your book i know just been following sure. what you've been talking about it on on linkedin that that's something that's in in the works and uh, i just want to uh, just give you an opportunity to just talk more about what brought you to the point of wanting to write a book and where you are in that process right now. Sure. Well, you know, it's an interesting story about writing the book until I become for 25 years, I had all these publishing companies from all over the world, take me for breakfasts and lunch and dinners and meet me at trade shows and conferences and seminars and workshops all the time. And on airplanes saying, Hey, you need to write a book. Well, I had limiting belief because I grew up as a kid who barely went to you know public school. I was in special education. So I had a limiting belief that I was never good enough. And that I don't matter. Anything that I share is not going to be valuable to the marketplace. And I had a limiting belief and I had a negative self-talk inside my head that said for many years, 
you know, you're never going to write a book. Why would you do that? You're a fake. You're a fraud. Who's going to ever believe you? You don't have the credentials. You didn't go to the right school. You don't have the right degrees or initials behind your name. And so I had that reoccurring dialogue inside my brain that I thought was real. And I always say to people, you know, the fear might be real, but the threat is not. I was taking some people hiking the other day and we're out and the guy's like, oh my gosh, what if we see a bear? I said, then we deal with it. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, listen, right now you're scared. Are you? He goes, I'm terrified. We're out in nature. I'm like, yeah. So the fear is real, but the threat is not because there's no evidence right now. There's a bear. I said, so think about it as a metaphor. How does that apply to your life? And he's like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. I said, most people, the fear is real. They feel it in their body, public speaking, writing a book, raising money, getting a promotion, going on a date, you know, getting married, all these fears that people have. And so I created the book until I become um, during COVID-19, during the lockdown in 2020, I was doing some estate planning, end of life planning with Tatiana because we live a high risk lifestyle because we travel a lot in normal conditions when, you know, we're not in lockdowns and restrictions of COVID. So because we have a high risk lifestyle, because we're always traveling, we're exposed to more risks and liabilities, right? Because we're in more elements and more environments around the world. So we have contingency plans in place just in case something should happen. We've got contingency plans in place and we're being responsible for our, uh, everything that we do in our lives. And so, What I realized during COVID was over the last several years, one of my mentors, Jim Rowan, many years ago, he's passed away now, but Jim Rowan always said to me, always keep a journal. And so for many decades now, last few decades, I've been writing every day of my life as a non-negotiable daily routine and habit. I write a journal. And so through all my adversities and failures and challenges and setbacks that I've had, because I've had some, I've had some strikeouts and I've had some adversities and challenges. I was once homeless living on the streets, eat my next meal of a garbage dumpster, living on welfare. I was so flo- uh, you know, flat broke financially. I got evicted from my home one time because I co-signed two loans to you guys for business. I ended up living in a treehouse for seven months, guy's treehouse that he made for his kids. So I know what adversity is. I know what failures. I know what it's like to be rejected. So until I become, the book was created as a very practical book of how to pull yourself out of situations where you have financial challenges, you have struggles, you have adversities, failures, because there's a lot of fluff out there and there's a lot of theory, but there's nothing practical. Uh, I'm a results-oriented person. I don't want to waste people's time because people have busy lives, they're qualifying their time, and they're also protecting their time. So I thought, what if I could create a book that could be a roadmap, a strategic roadmap or a playbook that somebody would read it and you would say, I'm going to give this to my kids. My kids need to read this. I'm so moved by this book. I'm going to buy 500 copies and donate to my school because every kid in my school needs to read it. See, I I wrote the book really for me because it was a reflection to me talking to my younger self saying, statistically, Darren, you shouldn't be where you're at. You should either be dead or working in a factory or something like that. Again, no district people working in factories, but the cards were stacked against me. I was a kid in school that was always picked last on any sports team. Darren, go over here so we can even the score, you know, team out. I was a kid who failed every year school, you know, on the report cards. I was a kid in my 20s and 30s. You know, there was a time in my 20s where in Canada, I had an R9 credit score, which is worst possible case. Today, I'm, today I'm statistically in the highest net worth in Canada. You know, I'm a high net worth investor. You know, a decamillionaire today, you know, and 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 I'm going to 100 million. They're going to give it all away for global philanthropy, right? I'm not motivated by money. I want to make a difference. I want to solve problems. And the intention with our foundation is to actually go bust. 
my intention is to put our foundation out of business. That's, that's the mission is to drive our, our foundation to the ground and make it blow up. Because then we've solved the humanitarian problems on the pro around the planet. See, a lot of times people use foundations to keep them going. No, we wanted to go out, out of business. Because that way we've solved these big problems when it comes to education and food insecurities and things that around the planet. So I wrote a book to teach people how to overcome perseverance, to get them to understand that anything that you really, really, really want in your life is going to come from having conversations with strangers. But here's the thing. We have past programming as children don't talk to strangers because they're unsafe. We're child predators. Don't talk to strangers. We're taught during COVID-19 and the lockdown, social distance and keep yourself away from people. But strangers, everything you want, everything you need and everything you desire in your life, and everything is going to come by having a conversation. So I explain things in terms of practical sense. And this book, Until I Become, is going to be used in schools, colleges, universities, prison systems. It will be used with people that are on the streets, homeless. It will be used in orphanages. It will be used in villages all over the world. This book will go global all over the planet, from, for all walks of life. Um, we've had people in focus groups reading the book. Um, I hired a ghostwriting team to, to do it. And, and, and the results and the feedback came back and said, Darren, we've worked with some very high profile people writing a book. And this is one of the most practical books I've ever seen. So the book was written to really create a ripple of impact and transforming the human spirit. Because I was literally fighting for my life you know, throughout days, there were days I was so flat, broke financially, so backed up with debt that I, you know, from being high, you know, I was behind on my taxes where I had the people show up at my door. Guy knocked on my door and say, listen, either you start paying your tax on time, which I'm in total integrity and compliance with now, or we're going to get you free room board in jail. Like I, 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 when I, when I owed money in my twenties, they didn't make collection phone calls or send letters. They had people show up at the doorstep looking and demanding money. Like I was so out of integrity. So out of integrity. And what I've realized in my life now, without integrity, nothing works. See, here's something to look by. And I talk about this in the book until I become. In life, time will promote you or time will expose you. It's just a matter of time. You're going to get promoted. You're going to get exposed. You know, five months ago, I was fat Darren. I was fat Darren. I was walking around obese statistically as a Canadian citizen. Here's, I was fat Darren. I was walking around. Look at myself thinking, man, I'm freaking fat. Then on February the 1st of this year, I said, enough was enough. I'm sick and tired of walking around carrying extra 30 pounds of weight in my life. This is, this is totally out of integrity. Why would I do this to this beautiful temple, this human body? Why would I do this? So I'm like, okay, I don't really know how to go to a gym. I have this mind chatter in my head that, if, you know, I can't play on sports. Not my thing. Well, I go to a gym, I don't know what to do. If I go to a vitamin store, I'm confused because there's so many different vitamins to choose from and so many different nutritional programs. It's overwhelming. What do I do? So I, thought, you know, I got a mobile phone. I've got lots of contacts in my phone. I created a WhatsApp group. Today, I have almost 60 people in my hiking group. And I just said, okay, here's the dates and times we're going to go hiking during the good weather here in Vancouver when I'm not traveling. Let's create a recurring calendar invite. And that's the days that we go out. Now, why do I do that? Because any goal or dream that you want to accomplish or achieve in your life, the reason why you don't accomplish or achieve it because it's not scheduled into your calendar. So you don't bring it into existence into your life. It's one of the biggest challenges why people do not fall through on New Year's resolutions and goals. Number one is the goal is not specific, measurable, or actionable. So one of the things I talk about in the book, for example, is 
you know, these are my personal promises. These are my top 10 personal promises that I gave my word to this year to actually accomplish and achieve. So most people's goals are not specific. They're not measurable and they're not actionable. I have an Apple watch. Every hike I do, I metric it. I play a game with myself. I'm either going to beat the mountain or the mountain's going to beat me, but somebody's going to win. And I have certain daily and weekly and monthly and quarterly targets on my watch that I set that I write down and keep track of with all the metrics because numbers don't lie. People do. So what I do is in the book is I talk about practical things, daily habits and daily routines. You can take any successful person, man or woman, alive or dead, and you can research them. They could be an Olympic athlete. They could be a billionaire. They could be a Nobel Peace Prize winner. They could be a philanthropist, no matter who it is. They could be a mother with nine children. And what you'll discover is it's about daily habits and daily routines. What do these people do during the waking hours of their day? See, when I meet influential people, one of the first questions I ask in discovery with them is, what do you, how do you spend the first three hours of your day? What do you do during the waking hours? So I get, a, I get a snapshot of you into their life of what their daily habits and daily routines are. When people, I meet people, and you'll see in the book, when people say, I want to make more money. Okay, great. Let's look at your calendar over the next seven days and let's see where you have scheduled and time blocked and maybe even color coded green for money or wealth, revenue generating activities. I want to become wealthy. Where have you scheduled wealth building activities? I want to create passive income. Where have you scheduled and structured passive income plan or passive income opportunity zones? See, if this is not structured and scheduled in your life and there's no reminders, it's not going to happen. It's wishful thinking. So, so the real, the real juice behind the book is mindset. You see, I was always taught as a kid growing up that, that rich people work for money. Rich people don't work for money. The poor and the middle class work for money. Rich people, affluent, wealthy people do not work for money. They work to acquire stable, monthly recurring income producing assets. They don't work for money. They're buying assets where everybody else is when they're, when they're getting their paycheck they're going to spend things at Costco and the movie theaters and the grocery stores and paying their bills. And most people don't realize that when they get paid from their employer, they actually don't appreciate the value of themselves. And I used to be one of them when I was an employee. I paid all my bills and paid everybody else. And I lived in a vicious cycle called paycheck to paycheck. And I never valued myself. And I never, ever got ahead, but I blamed other people for their success. And so until I become, the website's untilibecome.com is a book that's going to really shift your mindset, but then also show you practical how-tos with VIPs, very important points at the end of each chapter. So it's a very actionable book, but it's good, but you're going to be able to produce results from it. So I don't want you just to read the book and then put it on your bookshelf and have it shelf help. I don't want that. I don't want it to be another <laughs> book as part of it. I want what I'm after with this book is one thing, stories. I want to be able to meet you somewhere in the world an airport, a seminar, a conference, on the street, a shopping mall, a restaurant, and you walk up to me, you say, thank you so much. You have no idea the difference you made in my life. I paid off my, my parents' mortgage. I got my dream job, got my dream relationship. My kids are off drugs, okay? I, I, I made a bunch of money and I built a church. I, I made a bunch of money and I supported an orphanage. I ended up child, I, I, I made a bunch of money and I helped disrupt child sex trafficking. You see, this is what I'm after is I want to collect the accumulation of stories from people reading until I become so that it makes a difference in their lives. That's what I want. That's the juice for me. That's the legacy for me is knowing that I can create a ripple of impact in terms of transforming the human spirit because I was a write-off. 
I was a kid you'd never invest in, never believe in. But I was given a chance. And today I've, I have my comeback story, my success story, and now I want to pay it forward and pass it on. That's amazingly profound wisdom, Darren. I, I, I can honestly say this is one of the most um, just amazingly engaging conversations that we've had. Like, uh, and as you know, I, just the, the amazing wisdom and the amazing positive energy that you put out, it's absolutely incredible. And it's very refreshing to see that you're not like Jeff Bezos or like Richard Branson trying to get into space. You're actually <laughs> trying to do something good and leave a lasting impact on, Earth, on the world and, and, and save the, and uh, the solve problems that are real for so many of us, rather than just trying to get yeah. your ego into space. So <laughs> thank you for being you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Christian, I wish we could chat for you for two hours. Our <laughs> podcast is too short. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely can I, legendary. Can I share one thing with you? You know, for many years, I'd go to workshops and seminars and I'd leave upset and, 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 and confused because I would see these people, and especially YouTube today, you see, like you mentioned Jeff Bezos. I was this guy that would see a Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk and I would watch them on videos or read their materials or read their books. And then I would be all confused saying, okay, but I just want to know what do they do when they wake up tomorrow? Like, what are, what are some of the steps? How do they structure the day? What do they do? Like, I get their success, but there was such a gap, such a missing for me from start to finish. I, I, I didn't understand it. And that's why I talk about until I become is I fill in some of those steps and some of those holes that were blind spots and missings for me that confused me and I guess a lot of other people. D Darren, th like I said, th th thank you again for being you. Thank you for sharing your story thank with you. us and with our viewers and our listeners. Well, let's catch up again soon. Really appreciate awesome. you, my friend. Thank you very much. I can't remember the last time you and I spoke so few words in the podcast, but yet that was probably one of the more memorable conversations we've had with a guest. It, what, what were your thoughts? It was the right thing to do. Yeah, I really thought we could just get away with the one uh, <laughs> question there, and I thought it was a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, but fantastic conversation. I think, you know, what it inspired me, as <laughs> I can relate to certain parts of his story, um, is, you know, there, there's always hope. You know, there's always things in your mindset that you need to question and just pushing yourself to have conversations with strangers because in one form or another, that's what you're going to need to do. Absolutely. And I think, you know, he really is an inspiring person with a capital I there, you know, for someone who wasn't born with a silver spoon, like he literally went to rock bottom and built his way up from that yes. uh, and hearing that and being someone who wants to leave a positive impact on the world and to help others and serve others. Um, it's very hard not to like someone like Darren. So very we're, we're, we're very lucky that we had him on the podcast today. And um, as always, we want to thank our, uh, our loyal listeners and viewers for, for joining us. Um, if you like the video ver version of the podcast, please do subscribe to the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube uh, uh, channel. If you're someone who prefers the audio, uh, then please uh, subscribe on your preferred platform, uh, podcasting platform, whether it be Google, Spotify, Apple, what have you. Uh, but we always appreciate your support and any uh, feedback, ratings, uh, positive or negative. So again, thank you for always uh, engaging with us. Um, until next time, be well and be safe. And thank you again for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm -hmm.